0: Is
1: real. There's power in your name. We find hope, friend. We trust in your
0: ways. We need to embrace the diversity of gifts. This whole chapter, all of chapter 12, is about the same thing that we're one body, we're unique members, and all these different gifts are spread out in the midst of the body of Christ. So not one of us has all of them, although each one of us, if we're filled with the spirit, has the potential for all of them. So we're an entity larger than ourselves, which the Bible calls church, not a building, but it's people.
1: Have you ever tried to help a toddler with a task only to have them tell you, I do it myself? (laughs) Well, that attitude generally carries into adulthood although it might be a little more subtly expressed. But when it comes to fitting into the body of Christ, God says that individualism won't work. Pastor Daniel will be teaching about this today. You're going to hear about the necessity of expressing the gifts of the Spirit in love and in harmony with others. Now here's Pastor Daniel in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as he continues his message, the gifts of love.
0: These gifts, and we're going to see it, are not given all to us. They're given to the totality of us, and then they function together. Jesus said it this way. This is John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, but you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so in this great section of the Bible about the gifts of the Spirit, love is right at the center. I like to use the analogy of a sandwich, right? It's like chapters 12 and 14 are about the gifts. Chapter 13 is about love. And nobody ever goes to like a deli or whatever and say, hey, can I have me a white bread sandwich? You ever meet somebody like that? You go in like, hey, what can I get you? I'd like a rye sandwich. No, it's like, hey, I want a corned beef on rye. I want a, a spicy Italian, you know what I mean? You know that's mine. You know, I want me a Philly cheesesteak. Oh, what kind of bread do you want it on? Oh, hey, I like it on whole wheat because I'm trying to offset what I'm eating or whatever. <laughs> Nobody orders the bread first. They order the meat. What's the sandwich made of? And for the believer, the most important thing is not the gift. It's what the gift's are meant to do in our lives, which is to have God's love flow in our lives and through our lives to one another. That God's love may be built up within us. And Paul says, he's like, if I have all these spiritual gifts, but I don't have love, I'm noisy, a sounding brass, I'm a clanging cymbal. It profits me nothing and even says, I am nothing. And then he defines love for us. And verses four to eight is really well known. Love suffers long. It's patient. It's kind, it doesn't envy, doesn't parade itself, it's not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, it thinks no evil, it does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth, it bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, and it endures all things, and love never fails. Now, I just want to tell you, as it relates to the practice of the gifts of the Spirit in the life of a church, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 8 is actually the best gauge for the gifts. Because if somebody wanting to exercise a gift is impatient, then you know it's not the spirit driving them. If they want to be noticed or placed at the center, parading themselves, that's a problem right? If it is envious, if we're looking at someone else and saying, I want the gift that they have. See, all of these things, it's a great checklist to see, are these gifts functioning in the purpose for which God sent them? If the gifts are believing the worst, behaving rudely, all these things. And if you've been around church long enough, and if you've seen the gifts in operation, sometimes it looks like this. And so for me, I always know the real McCoy, as they say. I really know when something is a pure expression when I see love being expressed. And I'll be honest with you, that's my only litmus test for the life of a believer. My pastor used to always say to me, he said, Daniel, we have to always be careful that we're not so right that we're wrong. And what he was saying to me as a young pastor, which I still think about today, is sometimes in our desire to be right, we're wrong. Even if our theology is right, if we hold it in a way that is not loving, then it's wrong. You can be like, man, my biblical beliefs and my teachings and my theology is so right on, and if you are looking down on someone who doesn't believe like you, I'm here to tell you, your truth might be right, but your practice betrays the heart of God. And in a lot of ways, in this cultural moment, The body of Christ needs to be the vehicles of God's love. and We need to hold the truths that we have in such a way that we express the heart of the God whose truth it is. And our divisions that we have in our culture, when the church jumps into those divisions, they're not doing it in the name of Jesus. They're doing it in the name of the culture in which we inhabit. We're not supposed to be this culture. We're supposed to create this culture. And brother says, I want to thank you so much for being the kind of people who you say, look, I might not agree with you, but I love you. And let's talk about this as family and not fist fight about this over the internet as enemies. And I'm here to tell you, when we're in our community, the wrath of people does not produce the righteousness of God. I didn't write that. The apostle Paul did inspired by the spirit in Romans chapter two, verse four, but it's the goodness of the Lord that leads a person to Repentance. And we need to remember this because all the gifts of the Spirit are here to express God's love. Now, if we go back to chapter 12, what we learn on the beginning piece of the bread of the gifts, we learn that we need to embrace the diversity of gifts. We need to embrace the diversity of gifts. This whole chapter, all of chapter 12, is about the same thing that we're one body with unique members. And all these different gifts are spread out in the midst of the body of Christ. So not one of us has all of them, although each one of us, if we're filled with the Spirit, has the potential for all of them. So we're an entity larger than ourselves, which the Bible calls church, not a building, but its people. And that's why we are at our best when we are in relationship, but there are a diversity of gifts. And one of the things that I have experienced personally, and I've seen it happen, I've made the mistake of doing it, is we have a tendency to think that what we bring to the table is the only most important thing. They call that gift projecting, right? Where it's like, this is my gift, and it's this, right? And if you don't have that, it's not that good, because I got that thing. That's a type of pride, isn't it? And is pride kind? No. Is pride seeking its own? Yes. And because it says love is patient, it's kind, and it does not seek its own, then when we're being prideful, we're not being loving, we're being selfish. And in a lot of ways, if we're going to be honest about life, pride is the sin that begets all other sins. Now, if the Bible calls sin, it means missing the mark. It always begins with pride because pride says, my way or the highway. Faith says, your way is better than my way. See, pride is us being on the throne of our own hearts. And love is when we allow the spirit of God to displace us from the throne of our hearts so that Jesus can be on that throne. And then Jesus says, listen, what I want to do in you is I don't want you to be puffed up, but I want you to be humble. I don't want you to think that your way is the only way. The Bible says things like we should esteem others higher than ourselves. Pride says I'm the most important person in this room. And humility says actually all of us are important to God. How are we supposed to work together? Now, I say that, I realize that in our world, you talk about that and you have to be careful because some of you are in abusive relationships and you're not supposed to be in an abusive relationship. Like there are boundaries with that. Some people walk all over people, they'll take everything from you. And so it's not unloving to erect healthy boundaries because it is not loving to let someone sin against God, you and themselves. So I need to make sure I qualify that. I really don't talk like that. And sometimes people are in horrible situations, which is not anywhere near what God has for you. But there are a diversity of gifts. And in all the weeks that we've been studying this, this keeps coming up, doesn't it? All right? We saw in Ephesians chapter four, right? We saw it in Romans chapter 12. Now we're seeing it again. So every time the gifts come up, the Apostle Paul reminds us that there is meant to be a unity, a oneness in the diversity of the gifts. Like in verse four, it says this, there are diversity of gifts, but the same spirit, We see very clearly that there are different types of gifts, but there's one Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But notice verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of who? All. So important. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to one for the profit of everyone. And that is why, once again, it is so important for us to be together in the journey. Now listen, can I just talk about this for just a brief second? I realize that our culture is becoming more individualized. There was a time if you wanted to get information, you had to go to a public place like a library to get it. Now you just pull out your phone, you pull out your computer, right? I remember I was talking to my son about this because I remember when I was growing up, you know, we had video games. I mean, they were primitive video games, like, How many of you guys remember playing that game where the ball just went across the screen and you had to press the up and down? Do you guys remember that? I was trying to explain it to my kids. They're like, that sounds lousy. I'm like, at the time, it was mind-blowing. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm of the Game Boy generation. I used to play Tetris. I didn't realize it was, it was like, it was actually training me to be a dad every time we go on a family vacation, road tripping. I'm like, man, Tetris, I got this thing. I can fit this thing in this way, this thing in this way. I'm like, this is super cool, right? There was a time if you wanted to play video games with your friends, you had to go to their house to play with them. I remember when I was in college, I had a buddy who he used to have, what was it called? It was called NHL 94, that's how old I was. They got like a Sega Genesis, I think it was. It was old school. Like, you know, you had that little cartridge get <laughs> to blow that thing out. The kids don't know how hard, we suffered back in the day, you know what I mean? Like, like, it was hard, you couldn't get the thing to work, the thing was, you know, you didn't have to worry about getting it scratched, it just wouldn't work, it'd be all cloudy on the screen, and we go over to my buddy's uh, dorm room, and we play NHL 94, you know what I mean? And we'd sit there, and then only one of us could play at a time, and, but now, it's like they just get on their computers, and they just put their headphones on, they open up their screens, and I'm like, you're gonna go, I like, no, me and my buddies are gonna play video games right now, I'm like, in your room? And I forget that, it's like, oh no, like, no, we're playing together, So we're living in a more individualized culture, but I'm here to tell you, all of the research shows us that people aren't happy being alone. And listen, I love technology. We intentionally as a church occupy the digital space in the name of Jesus, unabashedly. But I'm here to tell you, you need one another and you need people who can look in your eyes and know when you're having a bad day. And you also need people outside of your immediate family because in our immediate families, that's a very important thing, but then there's other gifts that are involved. We need people who can mentor us and who we can mentor, people who we can journey through life with. And I believe that as the world becomes more individualized and more separated, I believe that the body of Christ is going to be the last bastion of real relationships where people from different backgrounds, different age groups come together and learn together and grow together and share with one another. And in every generation, there's unique wisdom. There's things that they learned and they experienced. And there's things that, in looking at it, because I like to joke, I'm in that bridge generation. Some of you think I'm old, some of you think I'm young, and I just think I'm wonderful. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I am Jesus' favorite. No, I'm just kidding. He told me. No. <laughs> But, like, I'm in that bridge generation, so I'm actually in that place where I can look at the older generation, I can see all the wisdom that's been gleaned, and I can also see why there's things that we need to change. Right? And I look at the younger generation, and I'm like, oh, yeah, like, there's a lot of energy. And there's some things that are right. And there's other things that they haven't, they don't get it yet because right now your parents are paying your bills. So once you have to pay your own bills, you learn a couple things, right? And I, I went through that journey. And so I can see the wisdom of the previous generation and I can see the wisdom that's emerging in the younger generation. And I can also see the issues. Now, because I'm Gen X, what it means is I realize I have all sorts of issues. I'm not saying that, man, these guys are right and wrong. these guys are right, but I'm right. No, it's like, I'm just in the middle. I can see it because I'm not bought into either side, really. And the beauty is, is what I realize is that those of you who are more seasoned, your life experiences are cherished by younger people, but they're not going to ask for it because they weren't raised to know how to ask older people for help. And I'm here to tell you, you older folks, more seasoned folks, you actually need the energy and the passion of the younger generation as well. Because they're like, man, we need to change the world. And you're like, yeah, I tried that in the 60s, man. I got burnt out, you know. (laughs) Man, we tried to question authority. But what you have going on now is you have this segregating of people. You have the same thing going on politically, where there is a place for the culture does need to change and not everything's perfect. And then there are things that we shouldn't change. But what you have right now is that you have these camps and they become self-enclosed and then they just preach to the choir. It's an echo chamber. And all they do is get mad at the other person. So it's not loving. It's divisive. And that's pride. And that's not good. But what we do is the body of Christ is the one place where you look, look, look around the sanctuary. I mean, look at it. You have ethnic diversity. You have age diversity. you have gender, like, It's like you have, everyone is here. And the beauty of this is, is that we learn how to grow together. And sometimes growing with people, like the Bible says, iron sharpens iron right? Now, I'm going to tell you, iron sharpening iron is not a frictionless experience. It's like when iron sharpening iron, man, you get some sparks. I think we've made the mistake of thinking that church shouldn't have some sparks sometimes. Real relationships will be rocky sometimes. There will be some negotiation to find some common ground, but that's actually a really great thing. It's a beautiful thing when that happens, Because when that's happening, we're growing. We have to ask ourselves, hey, what don't I see here? What am I missing here? And the beauty of when you embrace the diversity of the gifts, you start to realize that sometimes we think that the gifts are offsetting, but they're actually complementary. Let me give you an example. Because the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about our bodies. Now, I'm not a doctor. I don't play a doctor on the internet or on television. And I always get in a little bit of trouble when I talk about science because it's not really my bailiwick. So some of you guys are right, in gals who are science-minded. You're like, oh, Fusco, man, you need to go read a book on that. What I do know, because I'm Italian, is I know food. Okay, <laughs> this is what I do know. Now, I realize your digestive system, you take food in, right, and then your body uses it right? Now, at the same time, you have another system in your body that is trying to get what you don't use out of your body. That's the waste removal system. Now, you might think these two things, they don't want the same thing. One wants to take in, the other wants to get rid of it. But are they both necessary for the health of your body? Absolutely. And when you realize that, what you begin to realize is that God uses everybody uniquely, and we have to make space for the people who think, well, yeah, that's not my thing. My thing is the other thing, and as a church, one of the things that we always talk about here is that we want to embrace the tension. We do it all the time. You notice here, it's like we have all sorts of things going on locally. We just finished a backpack drive for schools. And then we have all these things we were talking about today about global, right? Because in some churches, like, oh, we just want to reach our community. We? we just want to reach the nations. Like, yes, yeah, we're going to reach both, right? You know, some church is like, man, all we care about is people growing in their faith. And the church is like, all we care about is people coming to Jesus. If you've been around Crosses, you realize we want you to come to Jesus here and we want you to grow in Jesus here. Rather than choosing one or the other, we're going to embrace both of them. And I want to encourage you to embrace the diversity of gifts because they're all the gifts of Jesus. Listen how Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. We read this previously in you all. Now, I love this because what we find is that the Apostle Paul is constantly reminding us to be humble and to not think of ourselves more highly because he realizes that in the human community where there is diversity, there will always be some division. And he's saying the only way to deal with that is for you to realize that you need one another and that we have to embrace the different things that everyone brings to the table. And listen, I really believe that the people of God should be the best at this because we realize that Jesus is our head and we are the body and we're all doing this, living this life together. And all of 1 Corinthians 12 is all about the unity and the diversity of the gifts within the body of Christ. Now, because I'm taking all these three chapters today, I really want to encourage you this week, be reading 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 as a unit because you'll really start to see some amazing things. But for today, as we move now to 1 Corinthians 14, what we learn here is that we need to express the gifts in accordance with God's heart. And this is only true of the gifts of the Spirit, but this is true of life. We need to express the gifts of God in accordance with the heart of God. Can I be honest with you? This is my daily prayer. I say, God, I want not only to get your word right, but I want to get your heart right. And in the same way, when you think of the gift of salvation, if you've been in this series with us, I made the case that the most important gift of the Spirit is the gift of salvation in the name of Jesus, right? That's the most important of the gifts. But we should express our faith in Jesus in accordance with the heart of God. Like people use Jesus as a way to drive people away from God. And you got to realize that the cross of Jesus, Jesus said, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people unto myself. So we should have the kind of faith that because of our faith in Jesus, we realize no matter who we meet, no matter how rugged their situation is, no matter how messed up they are, we realize that they are somebody who has the potential to be a Christian. Somebody who the grace of God is not too far from them. That if they were to turn and choose to put their faith and trust in Jesus, that no matter what they've done, no matter how many life sentences they've been sentenced to, if they put their faith and trust in Jesus, then they are forgiven and free indeed. That's the gospel. That doesn't mean that they're going to get out of jail because they got saved, but they will actually be freed from a much greater slavery, the slavery of sin and death. But sometimes we have a sense of, well, because I'm a Christian, that person can never be a Christian. So if you think in that way, you're not thinking with the heart of God. Because our Bibles tell us that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. That verse challenges me. There's nobody God is saying, I don't want that person to come to repentance. Every single person that you meet, and it's true for the gifts of the Spirit, because by the time you move the 1 Corinthians 14, Paul focuses down on two gifts, prophecy and tongues, which is interesting because they're both called those sign gifts, and depending on which church tradition you come out of, certain teachers are like, yeah, those things are not for today, but the Apostle Paul is like, oh, yeah, they're going on all over the place here, right? And he's addressing how prophecy and tongues are meant to function within the local church, And there's all of this information in this chapter about it. But really what he's boiling it down to is he's saying God has a purpose to glorify himself and to build up the people of God. And so we need these gifts to function within a church meeting in such a way that it can do that. So as you read through the chapter, and especially by the time you get to, you know, kind of chapter, verses 26 to 40, what you really start to realize is that what God wants for the gifts as they operate within the church is for God to be glorified and people to be built up. And anytime the gifts are in operation where people aren't being built up, the Apostle Paul is like, actually, there's a better way to do this. Because there's one goal for the meeting, and that's for people to be edified, to be built up. So he says that if the gift of tongues... Are there to function then interpretation should happen within the meeting right why because without the interpretation of tongues god is glorified but people aren't built up if there's the gift of prophecy he says that you should do two or three one at a time why because the goal is not that everyone can express their gift the goal is that the people as a whole get built up now here's what i want to tell you about the gifts of the spirit you talk to 99% of people, no matter what their church background is, and when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, it always boils down to how they're expressed in the body.
1: Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel reminded you today that God's more interested in His people having the right attitude about things than He is about your getting everything right all the time. You learn that God's aware that with people, there will be friction and disagreements in fact, his plan is to use those tough areas to make you see your weaknesses. You want to change to be more like Jesus. It's a win-win situation for everyone.
0: Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter,
1: Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Click on the Stations option in the main menu and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Sadly, this brings us to the end of Pastor Daniel's series called Gifted. We hope that you've been encouraged and challenged to discover the ways God wants to use you to bless your brothers and sisters. We trust that you've learned how God prioritizes the heart motive rather than the outward actions you might perform. Working on all of those things will be of benefit to you and to those around you. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.